0: You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory.
1: Hey everybody. Welcome to another episode of After Impact. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with the
0: man, Agent Smith, Mr. Billieu. We ready? I'm ready to do this. Let's do the damn Are thing. Are you ready? You've been on a marathon day of content. I, I am ready to rock. Two episodes of Impact Back Harry, to back. Back to back. Yep. Impact quotes, filming some other stuff. Indeed. And then a late in the day after
1: Impact. Gotta do it. Gotta Love do it. it. And if the people at home could only see your hair, <laughs> then we'd really be somewhere. It's amazing. Oh, it looks like a like uh wave from uh somewhere beautiful in hawaii Hair that's barrel. Like. yeah it's that's nice. what, that's what chase would say yeah
0: it's um it's getting a little long it's, it's getting, getting long. long welcome everyone to after impact this is the show where tom and i unpack the impact of this week's episode with judah smith judah smith the just incre- the, the 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 unique judah smith yeah he is a um, pastor of a mega church. I'm also not convinced that he doesn't moonlight as a lead singer of an indie band. <laughs> that is a reasonable suspicion. Because that's what he looks like. That is what he dark. looks like. He is way a hipster. He is. Very cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing episode. I really like this one. I want to start off with just a basic question You are not a religious person. Yeah. Why bring a mega church pastor on Impact Theory? Dude,
1: I was so squeamish. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> so my friend who invited me, um, Dean, I'm looking at you. He was like, You got to come check this out. Dean's Jewish. So I'm like, Dean, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> you're Jewish. I'm not religious. So why are we both going to see like a Christian pastor? I don't understand. He was like, Dude, I'm telling you, every time I go, I feel better. And he was like, there's just something about this guy. You need to come see him. You've got to see it for yourself. He was like, I think he'd be great in the show. So I was like, all right, I'm curious enough. Dean's never led me astray. Super, like Dean knows interesting people. Mm-hmm. Like there's just something about him. He's always got his finger on somebody really, really fascinating. He was the one that introduced me to Spiros, the, yeah. uh, the um, physicist. And I was just like, all right, that guy blew my mind. So let me go check this guy out. And I was way uncomfortable, way, I can't even tell you how uncomfortable I was walking into this church. And we sat down and there was a guy warming up the stage. And I thought, I cannot believe they've got some hipster dude out here to warm up the stage. And he's like in this big flannel jacket or whatever. And I thought a big flannel jacket inside and his pants are rolled up. And I was like, this is weird. And the guy starts talking and stuff. And I'm like, wow, like he's really making himself at home. Like he's not, doesn't have the feel of somebody who's got a five or 10 minute set and then he's got to get off. And then I realized this is the guy, (laughs) like the hipster guy is the guy. Like, this is not (laughs) what I'm used to from being a kid and going to church. Like this was on a whole nother level. And this guy was an orator for all time. Like he, I can't tell you enough. He was great in this episode and I was really impressed with this episode and i really really like judah as a person so i was blown away by that but him on stage is 10x what he can do like in an interview like that yeah you you just have to see him when he's got no restrictions he's choreographed with the band so they like start playing music underneath
0: him it was unbelievable and like let's go a little deeper but so you're impressed by this guy so you want to have him on the show but just on like a principles level you're bringing someone on the show who just from a background perspective, you're polar opposites. Yes. Let's yeah, so that. here's here's
1: some, look, I was nervous bringing him on the show, I'm gonna be honest. Because if it ended up being like every answer were something that only resonates if you're deeply religious, sure. I thought that's just not universal enough. Like even that's fine, like I have no beef with that. And I really, 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 when I think about things that I want people to say about me, about the show, one, I want people to understand I will learn from anyone. And if somebody has something that will empower me, that will make my life better, more beautiful, I'll take it from wherever I can get it. So from that perspective, I don't care whether he's a preacher. I don't care if he's a Buddhist monk. I don't care if he's a Wall Street snob. Like, I just want to learn. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, that was pretty easy, but I do want things to be as resonant with as many people as possible. I need it to be real. I need it to be people that if you take their advice, your life will be better. And so I needed to know that he could translate things for people. So, um, at one point I called Dean in a panic and was just like, dude, is he going to be able to do this? <laughs> like, or, or are we going to get a sermon? Cause I'm like, right. I'm not trying to bring somebody on where it seems like I have an agenda. And so, Dean was like, look, I'm telling you, this guy has universal principles that he's worked out that he uses in a religious context. But the reality is he's helping people live better lives. And so I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. And then when I started researching him, I, I got the hook of sports. And I was like, when he talks about that, he's super accessible.
0: Mm. And so that's
1: why we started there.
0: Yeah, and so do you seek out people and ideas that challenge your, your set of beliefs?
1: 100%. And I think one day that's going to burn me temporarily. And I think it will be well worth the price. I just know that we've juggled fire a few times, and the episodes have come out great. So I know that people don't even realize... When the episode comes out well, you don't think, oh, you're playing with fire. Sure. But one of these days, it's going to be something that doesn't play. And we're going oh, we're just gonna be left going. Well, we tried. We tried something yeah. like today. I recorded a um, a very different impact quote than I normally do, mm-hmm. where I brought together Franz Kafka and Tupac. Yeah, and there was something about it being those two people that I I had much more of a um, a pentameter to like what I was doing, and, or a meter I should say, not a pentameter because that's a very specific meter. But I had like a meter to it. And I don't normally do that. I don't normally push like the bounds of like, it's now really, truly a performance. Mm -hmm. And on this one, I really like walked that line. And I thought when I finished, I think you heard me. I said, either that was brilliant or total garbage. And I have no idea. And so, because it comes down to what resonates. And that's how I I feel with the guests that we bring on. It's like, I don't want to play it safe. I want to bring people on that, that I'm like, ah, this either is going to be brilliant or people are going to...
0: Burn us down in the comments. Well, watching the episode and looking back on it and seeing the comments, it, make, it feels like it makes total sense for him to be on Impact Theory. And I thought he had a great episode, especially because a lot of the things you talked about were universal and a lot of the episode was um, dedicated to talking about leadership. Um, so I want to ask, the thing he identified as the greatest quality of a leader from watching Pete Carroll of the Seahawks and uh, Russell Wilson and others is to go in to really care about the people you're leading and to love them and just really truly support them was that was that what you thought he was going to say when you kind of probed him on leadership
1: well how about this it wasn't what i expected him to say when i first started researching him i take a somewhat district attorney approach to my interview questions, which is never ask a question to which you don't already know the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the time I'm asking because I know they've got a great answer for something. And so I'm taking them into good water. So yes, I knew that that was his take about a lot of sure. things. Um, I was surprised though when I heard it in the research. And so I thought, wow, that's actually really interesting and not something that I would say I would normally associate with leadership. Um, but I dig that. And when I think about like what I really want to be like as a leader, it's that like I re- I really want to connect with people and I really want them to lead a better life because they encountered me. Um, and I want to learn from them and be changed by them and and meet people with compassion. So when I heard it, I was like, that's my end because it so resonated with me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked where the interview went from there is you kind of um, said, well, the flip side of that is also needing to have big goals and hit them and win. And you guys got into a discussion about accountability, which was really interesting. Um, let's just start. I have a few questions around this, but in your opinion, why is it so hard to hold people accountable?
1: Well, I'll give you some real answers. So one holding someone accountable hurts and depending on the person giving the feedback, it may also hurt them. So it hurts to say because I don't like to see people unhappy. I don't like to take someone to somewhere that I think is um, what I'll call emotionally dangerous Mm. because there is a survivorship bias in personal development where people say you know you got to hit your rock bottom like you've got to like just have that like ache and that need and going through the darkness you come out the other side stronger that is absolutely true for about two percent of the world the other 98 percent are diminished and broken by feedback like that and i've just seen it happen so many times and i've done it and i see i'm breaking this person like they don't know how to take me And because they don't have enough internal confidence and because they may not react, like when somebody tells me that I'm stupid, I'm an idiot, I can't do that, what a moron, like I come back like, I'm going to fucking show you. Like, dude, I take that, I internalize it, I believe in myself and I know I'm going to come back and I'm going to bury them with results but that's me mm-hmm. that's how i respond that i've taken the time to build that into my belief system but like when i think about the first times that i heard stuff like that wow like it was destructive and it hurt and it spun me out of control for days mm-hmm. so it's like what do you do do you just go i'm a filtering mechanism man and if you come here you you're going to have to be the best of the best and i'm willing to break some eggs to make an omelet Okay, that's one possibility. The other possibility is, fuck, man, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to find those two percent. I want them to be beasts. They're gonna help me build this, and I need them. And I want them to feel bonded and connected, and know that like I've got their best interest at heart and all that. And just like he was saying, like there's security in that because you know you're always gonna know where you stand, and there really is power in that. But at the same time, it is and this is my second point, it's dangerous from the perspective of if you're too hard on people, they will leave. And so you have someone, let's say that they're really extraordinary, they're really good at their job, but they're also, either they just don't like that like really hardcore shit and they're willing to accept that maybe I'll only be 85% of my potential, fine. Like I wanna be on an NFL team, I don't need to be the best. Right? right i want to be on the team i want to be a part of it i want to play the game that i love i want to be standing on the sidelines i want to play a couple downs like and that may be absolute bliss for them okay rad but now when you encounter somebody who's just like way hardcore about saying that stuff you may lose them so it's like you it it starts to get muddy now i think that he's absolutely right on balance when you weigh it all that this is why i'm obsessed with principles at the end of the day People need two things to be worth something. And I say that knowing that that's a jab in the ribs to some people. To be worth something, the following two things must be true. You must be able to hear truth and speak truth. And that's it. And the times in my life where I've disappointed myself, I did not either
0: hear truth willingly or I did not speak truth willingly. Yeah, it really cuts to the core of it right there. what do you think about so he said that in his opinion or his belief is that accountability breeds intimacy and camaraderie i think that's true it feels right but i don't know exactly why or how to explain it how have you seen this manifest in your experience as an entrepreneur
1: it it really comes down to can i trust you do i know where i stand and there is something something that creates deep unease. And this was what I was really guilty of in my early days as a leader. You create deep unease in somebody when they can tell that you're moving them around the chessboard, but they don't know why. They don't know where you're moving them, how you really feel. And so you may be saying something because you need them to like have confidence around that thing so that you can move them there. But... While they may not understand like that you're not being completely honest or you're only saying like the th- what you're saying is true, but it's only part of the story and they, they don't know why you're doing it. It's not like they can see through you or anything, but they feel that it's not the whole story and that is just super disconcerting as a human being. And and I think it is largely bred out of insecurity. When we don't know where we stand, our mind jumps to these crazy conclusions. We feel like we're being manipulated. It is the worst feeling to think someone's talking behind your back or you don't really know where you stand. Like people can deal with, ouch, that hurts, you think I suck. They can deal with that. What they can't deal with is you saying one thing and then they find out later that you don't actually feel that way. And so now the rug's been pulled out from under them, they feel a fool, other people knew and they didn't know there's this imbalance of power. It's just 10 times worse than just hearing the hard truth. And so when you have the hard truth, and, and this is the key part, the person is able to process and get past the hurt and all of that, then on the other side, they feel very um, willing to now share what they think and feel. And if the other person reciprocates by taking that on, now it's like, whoa, we actually know where each other stands. We aren't trying to hide our weaknesses from the other person because we realize that it's completely transparent. And revelation of all revelations for everyone listening, all those things that you're bad at, that you think you're hiding from people, they already know. They know better than you. They see your weaknesses. They see your strengths. And in that like trying to hide and feeling manipulated, it's just so fucking uneasy. And that's why, again, I'm obsessed with principles because it breeds it breeds that camaraderie, it breeds the trust, it brings people together. Everybody knows where they stand. It toughens you up because you've got to hear this stuff and find a way to emotionally process. So while not everybody can do it, it does
0: create that environment. Uh, one of the things that Judah talks about too is, is being intentional with the people that are around you. Um, and he he had a lot of things to say about this. So how can he, he described like one person that he wanted to choose as his friend. So he showed up wherever he was, he called him, emailed him wherever he needed to be, did whatever he asked of him. And then the guy was like, okay, so you're, I guess you're my friend now because you just won't go away. Um, what are some of the ways, how can people be more intentional about the community that they build around them? One, I think having the clarity within yourself and stating it,
1: being able to write it down. I think writing it down is really, really important because once like the gap between thinking and speaking is massive. And I think that even the gap between speaking and writing is massive. Like just the the amount of clarity you have to have to put that word on paper or, you know, in a Word document is just it, it's crazy. I agree and with so, that so much. Right. So people really have to then be clear with themselves. So once you're clear with yourself, now you can execute on that intention. It's going to force you to think through everything. And then now, okay, you know what you're doing, what your aim is, what your goal is. Now you can go about executing that and bringing people into your life and and just saying like, okay, I said I want people that are curious or deeply passionate or in this industry or whatever. Is this person I'm spending my time with actually those things? and that's when you know just becomes super clear you can even write down i want to allocate this much of my time to these people this much of my time to those people
0: you know so that you can then just look at it and you've got metrics yeah and do you do you go after people in that same way i mean i know you've you've called yourself an introvert in some ways um you've said in the past you weren't good at networking do do you approach that uh similarly when you really want to build a relationship with someone relentlessly and
1: once people understand that impact theory the show is my master plan to build impact theory the studio and they'll see over time how many people were able to pull into that world to get us to help us on things um they'll see that because i'm an introvert and because i have A superpower which is the ability to do the research and ask the right questions and honor people with the intros and really listen in a unique way um, make them feel a certain way and then also this team is beyond incredible and most people don't get to see this you'll know how true this is how often guests comment dude your team from top to bottom from the moment i pulled in the driveway i've been treated so special and so warmly and that's all the time And that's all part of the plan to like draw these people into our world. And so, I it, yeah, I I am a stalker when somebody is like
0: holds some key, some piece, some something that I need in my life. You asked Judah about vulnerability, and he's very vulnerable on stage. And he had a lot to say about that. Um, one of the things was, you know, he figured out that people really respond to your weaknesses more than your strengths. I just wanna ask from your perspective, how do you make vulnerability like a daily part of who you are, no matter the setting, the people you're around, the, um, you know, just, it's, it's not something you do or com- compartmentalize. Like I'm gonna be vulnerable today or I'm gonna be vulnerable with these this group of people, but not these group of people. Like how do you make it consistent?
1: Well, there's two things. One is the greatest joy in your life will be the day when you finally feel strong enough and confident enough to be who you actually are. I I can't tell people the amount of joy that will pour into your life the day that you're like, I'm no longer going to try to pretend to be anybody else and I'm valuable and I'm interesting as I am. That, That was a big day for me. And it's just beautiful. So that's one. And then two is understanding that the ultimate way to win people over is to not try to win them over, is to just really be who you are. And so it's like the ultimate calculation is to not be calculating, right? But you do it. I even mentioned this in the episode. It's like he's self-aware enough to know that it's really powerful. So even though it's totally authentic and he actually is being vulnerable he's very aware that that's what endears him it's what draws him deeper into the community it's what allows him to be a better leader so it is both a strategy and a non-strategy so and when you can do that you get that double whammy of whoa you actually now get to be yourself all the weirdnesses and all the funs, and you become here's a third one that's sort of a, a variation on that theme you become impervious to slings and arrows so people can attack me, but on what? I'm not bullshitting. So you may think I'm wrong, but you're certainly not going to say, oh, you're a liar. So that's huge. And that's where it actually started for me was I would get anxious because I would be trying to be cool. And I thought I needed to be cool. I thought I needed to be like, have all the answers to be a good leader. And that, you know, in the beginning, I, was so, I, I have no natural entrepreneurial instincts. So I was really faking it. And I just wanted people to think I was cool and good and all of that. And I was good at business. And it wasn't yet apparent to me that my weaknesses were just obvious to everybody. And that every, all the things I was trying to hide, they were just obvious to everybody else. And so once I realized that, then I was like, okay, well, there's nothing to hide. There's no need to um, what I would call, um, what did I used to call that? Campaigning. You're not a politician, you can't campaign (laughs) for somebody to see your strengths, right? It's like, they just see you, they know who you are, they know what you're good at. And so all the like, if I came to you and said, um, you know, Jared, I am just really good with details and um, operational stuff, I shine at operations. (laughs) You're laughing now, right? So it's like, we both know that is not my um, zone of genius as our boy Bedros Koulian said. Um, so that's not my zone of genius. I should stay the hell away from that and trying to tell people that I'm good at it, unless they just don't have any experience with me and they're prepared to take me at my word, they're going to know whether that's true or not.
0: Yeah. I want to follow up that question with, um, another one where you asked, uh, Judah about it. You, you quoted him and you said, um, let's see if I got it here. He, I, he said, I don't want to live what I preach. I want to preach what I live. And first of all, it's interesting to hear his story about um, the pitfalls that he sees preachers mm. getting into when they have they start to say, well, I don't do that. But as long as I'm telling the congregation to do that, yeah. it's it's good. Um, I don't live that way. And he said he rejected that whole idea. So can you talk about that and bring in you know, another idea that you talk about a lot, which is uh, congruence? Yeah, this is, um, this is probably the most powerful
1: driver in my life where I adhere to the things that I teach because I want to feel a certain way about myself when I'm saying it. And I want to feel that like this is powerful. This is cool. This is what I actually do. And this works in my life. This is how I've been successful. And... Like to have that arrogance of there's nothing anyone can say about it because it's actually what I'm doing. And so because you'd never know if I was feeling that way when I say it or not, no one would ever know. But I I want that feeling. And that feeling is so important to me and so powerful to me that it keeps me on the straight and narrow. And the one that I will say that it, it saves me over and over and over and over is Monday through Friday, if I'm awake, I'm either working or working out because I will go to do something and no one is watching. And I'm like, but if you do that, you're not working or working out. Fuck. Yes. You're right. And so (laughs) then I go back and I refocus and what should I be working on? How can I move something forward right now? And so, because I know if I do that in that moment when nobody's watching the next time I'm doing an AMA or something like this, and I say it, I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. Like, I get to feel good about that. So living in congruence is just way, way, way powerful. And then here's the other thing. Oftentimes people are giving you that answer not because it's um, they want to bullshit you. It's because they think that that's actually the true answer, but it's really just the lazy answer. And so getting to like, when you go to say something, because it, it will be received, everyone will think a certain way about you if they believe it to be true, but it's not true, and you stop and go, why isn't that true? And like, for instance, if that wasn't true, and I, instead of saying it, I would go, well, what do I really do? And like, is there a powerful lesson in that that I'm just sort of doing subconsciously and I don't even realize, could I give people more value? For instance... On the weekends, it isn't like that. And so I still work on the weekends. I still put in way more work than your average person. But I prioritize my wife. And that's important for me to say out loud and to remember and to do. And so when you get to the truth of what you really do, there's often a lot more power. So even though it's not the easy answer, it's not the clean answer, it's not the t-shirtable answer... It's like, it probably carries the most power. And over the last, I don't know, four months, I've really started thinking that the the value that I want to bring to people is to really get into the nitty gritty. Did you read the newsletter? You must have, because you edit them. Yep. The last newsletter. Mm-hmm. That, and I don't know if you, it hit you like this, but that newsletter for me, because it was really about the messiness beyond the headline, of either strengths or weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And it was getting into this is, this is messy and some of you are not gonna understand what I'm saying, but this is the actual truth. And so battling it out in headlines is dumb. Let's really talk, like what does it actually look like? And so that's to me where it gets really, really interesting and I think I can add a lot of value, but, but you have to get into that,
0: like it's not gonna be a good headline, but it's gonna be actual powerful stuff that you can implement in your life. So true. And just to respond to that with two quick comments. One, you you can say to people that you live what you preach, but I've seen it. Like I've been with you for almost two years now, and I've seen the good times, the bad times, the, the boring times, and you are exactly the same when the cameras aren't rolling um, and you do all those things that you talk about in the content. So it's incredibly powerful to witness as well and to wow, work, work you. alongside you and then also the congruence point just this week so i had a um i asked the uh, impact theory league a question on monday uh, shout out to the impactivists over there and if you want to sign up go to our facebook page impact theory league and i said what is the one thing everyone's doing this week to um to push forward to level up and so a bunch of people sounded off and then someone asked me they said well what are you doing and there was something in my mind, but I hadn't really fully articulated it or committed to it, but I just put it out there. And then today when I was flying down, I was like, man, that, that is that thing. I, I told people publicly that I was going to do and I could put it off right now and maybe do it later in the week or not do it at all. But I was like, but I said I was going to do it. So I pulled out that book and I started studying it. That's awesome. And it really is powerful, mm. the congruence thing. So, All right. A couple more questions here. So he, when you asked about having big goals and what he wants to do with, um, with his church going forward, he really lit up (laughs) at that moment and he was super excited about, he started talking about globalization and, and, uh, the power of globalization and technology and moving us into a place where he can reach people at scale. Why is the idea of scale so intoxicating to people like you and Judah? I'll put you in the same category. That's very kind. Um,
1: for me, it is it is very simple. I really, truly believe that we can make change in the world. And the, the kind of change that fall within my zone of genius is personal change. That whole groups of people can make change. And so if you know that, okay, I can have this one-on-one relationship, I could touch this person and change their life. Um, and they would be very grateful to me and they would you know, point to me and say, that guy did this for me. That's very meaningful for some people. For me, if I had to choose between helping a small number of people who know and love me and are grateful for me specifically, um, helping them or helping millions of people but they don't know who I am, I'm not remembered for my contributions. I would much rather help the millions of people because I actually want to be in that world that changes and is better. And that's what drives me. And that is why I say, I don't think about legacy. I think about right here and now. I want to live in a world that is better. Mm -hmm. And so to do that, like doing things at scale, and there's also just something to... And I don't, I've never taken the time to reflect on whether this is something that I built into myself or whether there's, you know, they're gonna find a region in the brain that is some people have it and it's this thing, which is wanting to be um, not the, you know, the sort of city council member, but you want to be the president of the most powerful country in the world. Like there's just some people, like I find every time I've had a job where I started low, I could not help myself. I just started working my way up. And even even in my most terrifyingly lazy days, I was always trying to work my way up. And that's part of what got me out of the laziness was I was having so much fun working my way up that I realized I had to keep getting better and better. And so I just, I want to do things at the grandest scale possible. And, And that's why we're doing impact theory. It is when I really look at how do I have transformative global impact. This is the biggest thing I could think of. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Last question. Uh, Judah said that, and this was in relation to your question or what's the impact he wants to have on the world. He believes that we are suffering from a lack of love on a grand scale. What do you think about that? Will you let me change it to
1: compassion? Sure. Because I think love gets a little nebulous the way that people use it um but compassion i think is is in startlingly low supply like when you look at just the absurd arguments that happen politically like just ask yourself what can i do to make their life better and they should be asking what can they do to make my life better And now all of a sudden, instead of it being this divisive thing, we're both looking at, okay, like how do we come together and both win? And when you care about the other person actually getting something out of the exchange and you say, this person also has feelings and would want something great out of this, like then we might actually be able to get somewhere, excuse me. And so having compassion at like just every stratosphere, I think is really, really important. That doesn't mean that you don't play to win. I'm trying to win, but I'm trying to win by doing something amazing. I'm not trying to win by, you know, knocking off somebody else's thing and trying to kick their sandcastle. So that I think is just it's it's such a beautiful exchange whenever it happens. Like, have you seen Love Actually? I
0: have. All right, not the, the whole thing.
1: The, at the very end. Um, and at the beginning, they show these moments of greeting at Heathrow Airport. And I really think they filmed real meetings. I just refuse to believe that they were faked. So there are all these just tender, beautiful moments, man. And it's like, who doesn't want more of that? Like, yeah. it, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be... Look, I, I, I feel compelled to say I'm very aggressive. I'm somebody that goes after what they want. Um, I I am not Pollyanna in any way, shape, or form. But they are just the vast majority of the time showing compassion to somebody for where they're at just is is so doable and does not diminish you in any way, lifts them up, gives them something, gives you something because you feel good for doing it. it. It just has this cascade effect. Emotions are contagious. And if the contagion that you're spreading is compassion, That seems like a really good idea to me. Love it. Well, that wraps us up for After Impact today. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. As always, an absolute pleasure to have you with us. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And by the way, if this is adding value, please go to iTunes or whatever podcasting app you're listening to this on. Give us a five-star review. It helps more than you know. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the community. And until next time, my friends, be legendary.